Good morning and welcome to episode 17 of Walk to Work, a podcast where apparently I mostly talk about body mechanics and teaching of dance, but also have ambitions about talking about things more widely uh, and of course ranting uh, and rambling about stuff. Today I would like to talk about um, something to do with learning. Uh, It's a concept uh, called epistemological frames or epistemological framing. Uh, the way I think of it is actually not exactly how it's thought of uh, in the literature of people who think about such things. Um, but uh, I think it's still a, a, a useful layman's-ish uh, perspective on it. So the idea of an epistemological frame is it's kind of a bit like a worldview. It is the set of beliefs and experiences you have that shape your experience of new uh, experiences and situations. Um, And there's an argument to be made that learning is about acquiring the epistemological worldview of someone who has learned, or that the difference between an expert and a novice is that the expert has this uh, epistemological framing uh, that the novice does not. Um, One way of presenting this framing is a very literal four-sided frame. Uh, Well, very figurative, actually, but still four-sided. We have knowledge, we have skills, we have values, and we have identity. So, being a scientist is having the knowledge that the scientist has, is having the skills that the scientist has, is having the values that the scientist has, and is having the identity, identifying as a scientist. Um, and it, it seems fairly self-evident that uh, something similar would be true uh, for dancing. And we often think about uh, knowledge and skills when we're teaching, but considerably less about identity and um, uh, and values. Uh, and to think that any uh, single skill set should have a uniform set of values, obviously it doesn't. But the same kind of applies to skill and knowledge. Um, you, you, your essential skills and knowledge are whatever your essential skills and knowledge are. And within... Uh, revivalist diaspora dance uh, the question of values is really important Um, clearly uh, Lindy Hop for example mostly uh, the revivalist Lindy Hop mostly happens happened outside of black culture outside of African American culture and so it would be normal that we wouldn't have Uh, African-American values. And so then a big part of the question uh, of becoming a Lindy Hopper is what values, uh, or even of teaching Lindy Hop, is what values do we promote? Do we promote African-American values that um, are foreign to our culture and so that aren't our actual values? They're these values that we put on for the evening when we go Lindy Hopping and then we take those values off again at night. Um, Phrase like that, it's obviously uh, 
looks like cultural appropriation, there's probably better ways of um, um, of indicating it. Like if you uh, were encultured in African American values, you could code switch uh, in and out of them, uh, in maybe uh, a less putting on a costume kind of way. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, we can't do Lindy Hop with no African American values because then, well, it's not Lindy Hop for one, um, and it's disrespectful to the community that, uh, to the culture that created Lindy Hop. Uh, and so we're kind of stuck between those two for values, and kind of the same way for identity. Like I can identify as a Lindy Hopper or a blues dancer, um, but it's not going to be good if I think that I can identify as an African American person, um, or even as a Lindy Hopper with African American values. Um, that would start to be weird uh, if I didn't actually have the knowledge, skills, and values that went with it. Um, and then identity, I've talked before in a previous episode, uh, just the identity of a dancer. Uh, I think the fact that a lot of uh, amateur dancers uh, are doing this as a hobby, and so they don't feel the need to identify as dancers. And I remember uh, protecting myself from identifying from my mediocrity, is not the right word, word, but I was like, I don't need to be a musician to play music, I don't need to be a dancer to dance. And I think that has more to do with misconceptions about what a dancer is uh, than um, about any actual need to be like, no, I'm not a dancer. So now like, I'm happy to call myself a dancer. Um, and I think I can do that in face of however much or little I plan to improve as uh, a dancer. Um, and I can identify as someone who doesn't have to be uncoordinated uh, or whatever. And this this identity thing, you have the, the whole priming, so if you remind people, oh, so you're super uncoordinated, right? Uh, that creates empathy. It's like, oh yeah, I was super uncoordinated when I started Lindy Hop as well. But it also um, gives a stereotype threat that someone who's uh, a dude in his 50s who's never danced in his life would inherently not be good at this dancing thing. And maybe they would learn slower, or maybe they would um, have physical trouble with it because it's quite uh, physically demanding and a world, a, a life of sitting on chairs and stuff will probably uh, quite diminish your abilities. Like even 20 odd years of sitting on chairs and stuff and being fairly physically active because I ski raced uh, still put me in a pretty bad starting position uh, compared to a friend of mine who was really good at football and uh, so he was much lighter on his feet he had counter body movement uh, in his body much more uh, ingrainedly and yeah uh, and then we have how these uh, four sides uh, interact how do values and in particular well how do values uh, relate to identity and they're just touched on that with especially uh, learning uh, cultural practices. Um, how do values uh, relate with skills and knowledge? Uh, this is why uh, in research community this is an interesting concept. Um, 
Well, uh, there's uh, another reason. The first reason that was of interest to me is uh, my research used to involve uh, looking to see how we can find evidence that people learn something. And if we're only looking for knowledge uh, in situations where we're not assess directly assessing knowledge, it's very difficult to see knowledge. But uh, it's possible to see skills and values and identity. Uh, and that would also uh, in be uh, evidence of learning to some extent. Uh, and then the other reason that this question is interesting for, for research, or one of the other reasons, is that the values that we have affect our interpretation of skills and knowledge and classes. Um, for example, uh, one of the places this is really obvious is in mathematics education. Uh, hello, BP reverse vehicle. I'll just let it finish beeping and reversing and beeping and reversing. It should stop that soon, because I think it's going forward. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, so in, in mathematics education, uh, what is a constant is that people, students fail to realize what the purpose of what they're learning is. And teachers somehow fail to impart that purpose or don't realize that it's important. It's kind of this sneaky thing. So if we're learning calculus in high school, probably the goal is not to actually learn calculus. Although part of it is, like there's uh, some physics that is made a lot easier if you have calculus uh, and so physics is always a little bit behind uh, the mathematics to actually deal with it. So that has a concrete purpose if you're studying physics. But otherwise, uh, the goal is to kind of promote abstract thinking and reasoning, uh, especially generalization skills. And so in a previous episode I talked about transfer. Learning is transfer. Transfer is applying knowledge to new situations or generalizing knowledge. Uh, or being able to retrieve knowledge in appropriate ways in new situations. Uh, and that's kind of what mathematics uh, trains and practices. But applying it to even one situation, like applying the formula for long division, is so difficult sometimes for people. Uh, and takes so much training and also has real life relevance. It's useful to be able to know your times tables and know how to divide. Um, that um, all, the, all the effort that people have, kind of people's um, uh, jar of effort gets all used up uh, memorizing uh, strategies for doing things as opposed to trying to get to uh, the deep conceptual knowledge that mathematics is supposed to be about. But it turns out that people who either understand or are able to uh, understand, I'm not sure which it is, uh, that uh, the goal of mathematics class is about generalization, find themselves a lot less frustrated come exam time when they have enti entirely new problems that they've never dealt with before. Um, whereas other people would be like, but none of the procedures for solving equations that we learn in class apply to this thing, there's no possible way I can solve it, this is completely unfair. Um, and so this also kind of applies in, in, in dance class. If people think that 
uh, partner dancing is about moves and signals of moves. Uh, people have come into classes that I've taught uh, with that uh, value, with that belief. Um, and that's kind of an anti-belief to, uh, uh, to what I value. Uh, so it's no surprise that even if I don't explicitly mention uh, that I'm not, uh, that I'm kind of anti that belief, uh, it's going to translate into my teaching. I'm not going to be interested in signals, I'm going to be interested in body movement. I'm not going to be interested in moves, I'm going to be interested in movement. And then when it's like, oh, I want to learn this cool move, I'm happy to teach people this cool move, but it often turns out that because I don't really value it, people who do value it feel quite confused. And so there's kind of a clash of, uh, a clash of values for one, but it's not just that. Uh, even if uh, the clash of values were not there uh, and I entirely um, had value in moves and, uh, moves and signals but just chose to not teach them in this one class, um, someone who's trying to project their moves and signals values onto uh, in order to interpret uh, what we're teaching will we'll find it quite challenging if that's not there. Um, and so I guess my, my implications therefore for dance teaching is that you have to have those four edges in what you're teaching. You're not just teaching um, skills and knowledge, you're also teaching uh, values and identity. And these things have synergy with each other. The values and the identity relate, the skills and the knowledge relate, the knowledge and the skills and the values relate, and the knowledge and the skills and the identity relate. Um, and part of sort of understanding uh, how people are or are not progressing in your community uh, is to look at how you're working on the interrelationship of those values. So if you're a teacher, um, try those things out. Uh, have a look at um, identity and values in addition to the skills and knowledge you're teaching and see how that works out for you, if it brings any new insight. And if you're a student and you're taking classes, uh, remember that your ability to appreciate classes with a teacher is going to be related to being able to have the values of that teacher. I often think of it very black and whitely in a kind of, I share very few values with this teacher, so this teacher can't teach me anything. Um, and it's kind of asked backwards in that it's probably more likely that uh, because I'm unwilling to uh, adopt the values of a teacher just for the duration of a class, uh, I'm blocking myself up from, from learning stuff of value from them. Uh, <laughs> pun not intended. Um, and so yeah, as a student you can check out uh, what the values are that the teacher has have and how you can use that to interpret the knowledge and skills that they're sharing with you uh, and draw maximum value, pun most intended, out of them. So yeah, try those things out. Let me know how it works out. See you next time. I'll be in Berlin next week, so I record an episode ahead, um, dance training, and I will take care. I'll talk to you soon.